Hello and welcome back to New East Bend Baptist Church's Sermon Archive. In this sermon, we continue our series of through the mission statement at New East Bend Baptist Church. And we continue to work through this mission statement and understand who we are as a church and what we are aiming for. In this particular sermon, we discuss how we are going to be a church that equips people with the gospel. If you have any questions about New East Bend Baptist Church or about the gospel, please email us at nbbc at neelysbendbaptist.org. Thanks, and we hope you have a great week. As we are continuing our sermon series through the mission of Neely's Bend Baptist Church, so a couple weeks ago we started working our way through this mission statement of what we are setting ourselves, the goal that we are going for. To kind of give you an idea or a point or why do we need a mission statement. I heard a story or read a story one time. This guy was saying he was walking down the road and he saw this little boy and he was shooting arrows at the side of a barn. And he had little targets drawn on the, bull, on the wall on the side of the barn. And every time an arrow would hit, he was hitting the bullseye on every single shot. And so this guy said, well, I've got to watch this. This kid's good. He's hitting every shot. And so he watched the boy. And the boy drawed his arrow back. He let it fly. And it didn't hit no bullseye. He's like, well, that's kind of weird. And then he watched the boy walk up to the barn and grab some spray paint. And he went, shh, right around his arrow. Bullseye, right? Hit the spot. And so the point of a mission statement is it gives us something that we're aiming for. That boy was just aiming for the side of a barn hoping to hit it. And then he was going and putting the target there. He had nothing he was shooting for. A mission statement gives us a goal. It gives us something to aim for. It gives us something to shoot at. I say that not in that way, but something to go toward, to move toward. That is our goal, if that makes sense. And so that is why a mission statement is so important for our church. And so I'd like to just begin by reading through our mission statement. I did make a slight change um, to the very, very end there. If you look at the very end, it says, and beyond. I did have Neely's Bend, Madison, Nashville, and the world. Um, I talked to my fellow brother, and all of you guys know, Brother Henry, right? And Henry recommended, why don't you change it to and beyond instead of just Nashville and the world? And I was like, hmm, you know, I think I kind of like that. And so I went with that because here's what I don't want us to think. I don't want us to think that it's Neely's Bend, Madison, Nashville, and then just the world. Does that make sense? I want us to think it's Neely's Bend, Madison, Nashville, Tennessee, United States, North America, international, the world. Does that make sense? So while the world does encapsulate all of that, I want us to know that we exist to make disciples here and beyond. And beyond. So we'll get to that in a few weeks where we'll talk about that a little bit more in depth. But let's read this. Let's read this together. So let's read this together. So, alright, ready? One, two, three. Newly's Ben Baptist Church exists to glorify God by equipping people with the gospel of Jesus to live in worship of God, in one another fellowship, and on mission to make disciples in Neely's Bend, Madison, and beyond. We're going to just continue working through this. 
In our last sermon, we saw that New Haven Baptist Church exists to glorify God, right? It exists to glorify God. We learned that God is all-glorious and that man is created to glorify God and that the church is also to bring glory to God. So today we're going to focus on the next phrase of the statement, equipping people with the gospel. Equipping people with the gospel. So before we jump into our sermon, let's go to the Lord in prayer for our sermon and for help and understanding. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for your goodness, for your gospel, for your grace, Lord. Lord, help us to always remember that as a church, we exist to glorify you. That as people, we exist to glorify you. And Lord, here at Neely's Bend Baptist Church, we've established some ways that we can help us to, to glorify you, and that is by equipping people with your gospel, Lord. And so, Lord, as we preach through this sermon today, as we know through your word, Lord, help me to preach with simplicity, with clarity, and passion, Lord. Help us to fully understand your word and what your word teaches us this morning, Lord. And Lord God, I pray that I'm always just preaching your word and your word alone. Free us from distractions and help us to focus on you and worship you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Equipped. Equipped. What does it mean to be equipped with something? What does it mean to just be equipped with something? As a kid and teenager, I really enjoyed playing the game of baseball. It's one of my favorite sports that I really enjoyed playing. But in order to play baseball, you have to have some equipment, right? You have to have a bat to be able to hit the ball. You have to have a ball to be able to hit with the bat, right? You have to have a glove to be able to catch the ball. If you're a catcher, you have to have catcher's equipment. If you want to have a batting gloves, you have to have batting gloves. There's so many things that you need in order to play the game of baseball. The same thing can be said about a sport like football, for example. In football, while there's not as much equipment that's probably as needed as baseball or some other sport, but you still need the shoulder pads, you still need the knee pads, you still need all the pads and equipment that you have, and there's also one crucially important game element to the sport of football. You need a, a football, right? And you probably need a helmet, too. But a football is very important, right? In the workforce, people must be equipped with the right things or the right tools or the right skills to be able to do their job correctly. I remember in college, I worked for my uncle building houses and pole barns and different things like that. And when I first started, I didn't have any tools. So I had to use his tools until I eventually acquired more tools. I had to have a hammer. I had to have a drill. I had to have whatever else that I needed to build a house and build a pole barn. You have to have the proper equipment. I needed tools to be able to do the job well. And if I wasn't equipped, then how would I ever, or how would any carpenter ever complete the building of a house? So what does it mean for us as a church that we as a church exist to equip people with the gospel? What does it mean? So just as a carpenter would need to be equipped with the right tools to build a house, People need to be, to be equipped with the right gospel. Now remember, I say right gospel, the true gospel, so that they can have salvation and then in return grow in faith. Our goal, our goal is to get the gospel into the hands of people. 
the hands of people, especially outside the church, but also people in our church. We want to equip all people because it is through the gospel that they can have life, that we can have life, and it's through the gospel that people can have salvation. And it's through the gospel that we, as believers already, continue to remember what we were saved from. And it is the gospel that compels us as believers to live in obedience to Christ. The gospel literally affects every moment of our lives, from salvation especially to our physical death here on earth. And as a church, it is going to be our mission to equip people with the gospel. So this means that everything that we do here at Neely's Bend Baptist Church should revolve around asking the question, how can we equip people with the gospel? How can we get the gospel in people's hands? How can we get the gospel to those outside of our church? How can we get the gospel to those even inside our church? Because we want to be a church that is gospel-driven, a church that is gospel-led, a church that is gospel-focused, a church that loves the gospel, cherishes the gospel, that teaches the gospel, because it's the gospel that changes lives. Amen? And we want to see that happen inside and outside of Neely's Bend Baptist Church. So therefore, as a church, there are going to be two groups of people that we equip with the gospel. Two groups of people that we equip with the gospel. The first group of people that we equip with the gospel is those outside the church. Those outside the church. And when I say this, I mean those who are not believers. Those who are unbelievers outside the church. Because those inside the church should be believers, correct? Should be. I say should be. It doesn't mean that that that's the case all the time. But majority of the time, those that are outside the church, those are unbelievers. And so we want to equip those with the gospel. So I want to go back to a couple verses that we started with last week. Last week, I went to the Great Commission and how I pointed out how the Great Commission should ultimately be a reflection or should be the mission of every church. And how our mission statement should reflect the Great Commission. So with that, let's read Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority... In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. As I said, we're going to specifically focus on verse 19 right here. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And as I just stated, our mission statement, go back to it, almost there, we say that we're going to equip people. We exist to glorify God by equipping people with the gospel. And then it goes on, and if you look at the very end there, highlighted in blue, and to live on mission to make disciples. And now he's been Madison and beyond. I hope that you can clearly see that our mission statement is reflecting the Great Commission, the Great Commission that God has given us. It is clearly establishing that we want to be a church that equips people with the gospel, 
That we want to be a church that lives on mission by making disciples. Now this is a command for every single one of us in the church. But church, we can't make a disciple if we don't equip them with the gospel, right? Which is why we must equip people with the gospel. We can only make disciples with the gospel when we equip them with it. Just as an employer must equip an employee with the right tools to do a job, we must equip people with the right gospel so they can believe in the gospel and enjoy salvation and become a disciple of Jesus. Now this begins to raise a question. What exactly is the gospel? What exactly is the good news? This is important, and this is crucial, because if we get the gospel wrong, we are equipping people with a wrong gospel. We are not giving them the true gospel, the right gospel. It's like giving someone a Phillips head screwdriver to do a flathead screwdriver job. It just doesn't work, right? It's like giving someone a drill to hammer in a nail. It's not going to work. It just not work. So what is the gospel? The gospel is simply this. The gospel is the good news from God that leads to salvation. The gospel is the good news from God that leads to salvation. Now we ask the question, what is the good news? What is the good news? A good way to sum it up is in four words. And I'm going to go there. In four words. The first word is God. The second word is man. The third word is Christ. And the fourth word is response. God, man, Christ, response. God, man, Christ, response. Start with God. Who is God? God is the creator of everything that exists, correct? He created the world. In the beginning, God created. He made it all good. God is also holy. He is just. He is loving. He is righteous. And one day, because He is loving, because He is holy, because He is just, because He is righteous, He is going to have judgment against all sin. And what that means is that those who have never believed in Jesus Christ and have never had their sins forgiven and never repented of their sins will one day be judged and have eternal punishment in hell. The second word, man. After God created a good world, God also, during that time span, He created man. He created Adam. God created the perfect world, one without sin, but Adam would sin, right? Man would sin when he disobeyed God. This would then cause every man after Adam to be conceived in sin, to be born into sin. Every person after that would sin regardless of who they were, except for Jesus. Every single one of us has willfully rebelled against God. We have Romans 3.23 says, For all have fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners, and that ultimately separates us from God. We have no relationship with God. However, all people have the opportunity to have that relationship restored with God through Christ. So that leads us to the third word, Christ. Christ. Christ is the Son of God, correct? He was born of a virgin, meaning that He was 
He was not conceived in sin because He was conceived through the Holy Spirit. He lived a sinless life so that we could be, excuse me, He lived a sinless life so that He could be the perfect sacrifice through His death on the cross. He paid for the sins of all who would believe in Him. He was put in a tomb and on the third day He rose again, overcoming sin and death. It is through the works of Christ that one can be saved. And then we have the fourth word, response. Response. God, man, Christ, response. God ultimately requires a person to respond back to Him. To respond to this good news. To respond to the gospel. God requires man to acknowledge that they are sinners. God requires man to repent of those sins. God requires man to believe in the works of Jesus and what He did for us. Man is required to respond to God by turning from sin, but especially the sin of unbelief, and turning to God in faith and following Him for the rest of their life. This is the gospel. This is the good news that we equip people with outside our church. But this leads to another question. How do we equip those outside our church with the gospel? Our mission statement answers this question for us. We are going to be a church that lives on mission. A church that lives on mission. Now when I say lives on mission, I'm not talking about mission trips to an international country, or I'm not talking about anything of taking long distance trips. I'm simply talking about having a mission mindset about yourself. Having a mission focused mindset to your life. Having a heart for wanting to share the gospel with people. A heart for evangelism. A heart for just meeting new people so you can tell them the good news of Jesus. Being broken over people not knowing Jesus. Not hearing the gospel. We will ultimately talk more about living on mission in a few weeks when we get to that point. But the point right now is we equip people with the gospel outside our church by living on mission as a church. Having that mission mindset. Church, we ultimately bear a huge responsibility as a church, as people of God, and that is to equip people with the gospel so that they can have faith and salvation in Christ. But they also aren't the only people we equip with the gospel. We also equip those inside the church. We equip those inside the church. Now, I know this may sound just a little weird, right? If you have the gospel already, why do we still need to be equipped with the gospel? As believers, why do we still need to be equipped with the gospel? And it's a valid question. And the ultimate answer is this. Let me ask you a question. When you become a believer, do you stop sinning? No. When you become a believer, or as believers, do you still sin? We still do, right? We still do. And because of sin, even after salvation, we still need to remember the gospel. I heard one pastor at one point say that we as believers should preach the gospel 
to ourselves every single day. We should wake up every single day of our lives and remember the gospel. Tell ourselves the gospel. Tell us that God created a a good world, that man messed it up, but God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for us, for our sins, so we can be forgiven. We can have eternal life and salvation through Jesus Christ, and that we are to respond in obedience. We should wake ourselves up every day and tell ourselves that. Because as we remember it, it reminds ourselves of the gospel and why we were saved, who we were before, and who we are now. The gospel changes lives eternally, and the gospel changes lives in spiritual maturity. The gospel helps us to grow in spiritual maturity, grow in faith, because as we remember the gospel, we remember who we used to be and who we are in Christ now. And this means that those in our church who are teaching, who are preaching, who are leading in any area of the church, we should all remember the gospel in our teachings, in our preachings, in our leadings, in our conversations with anybody else in the church because the gospel still matters even after salvation. And it also means that every single one of us as members of this church and as members of Christ should remember the gospel even when it comes to our conversations with one another. When it comes to sinning against another believer or someone sinning against you. Because when we remember the gospel and remember the grace that was given to us, what do we do in return? We extend grace to others. When it comes to someone needing help with a certain situation in life, or maybe in need of some counseling, we must remember the gospel. Because the gospel is reminds us of us and them, of who we used to be and now who we are in Christ. And through that, it will help us to live a life obediently serving our God. The gospel not only, not only saves us, but it sanctifies us. It perseveres us into eternity. Now, when we equip people in the church with our gospel, with the gospel, we are ultimately equipping them with God's word, correct? We're equipping them with God's word. So if you go back to the the gospel, when I explained the gospel earlier, we started with God and we talked about creation, correct? We talked about the fall of man. We talked about sin. We talked about Christ. And then we talked about even how, in the end, God's going to judge the world. That is from the very first book of the Bible all the way to the very end of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation. It all gives us a picture of the gospel and what God has done for us. This gospel is from beginning to end. It runs throughout the whole Bible. Therefore, we should equip those in our church with God's Word. With God's Word. Think about it like this. Every day, we have to eat to survive, right? We have to eat something. We have to have some kind of nutrition in our bodies in order to live. If we just stopped eating or if we ate the wrong things, we would not be healthy and we would probably eventually die. As much as I would love to just eat Oreos and milk for every meal of my life, I know that it's just not going to happen because it would kill me, right? It would harm me. The same can be said about the Christian. 
We have to eat. We have to feast on God's Word. We must have a healthy proportion of God's Word in our lives. And as a church, God's Word should always be the dish that we serve to those in our church. That's the best dish served, right? God's Word, His truth. We equip those in our church by feeding them God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16-17 through 17 says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, see that word there? Equipped for every good work. As you can, free, as you can see from this verse, God's word, Scripture, is valuable. It is profitable for four different things that that's said here. Scripture is profitable for teaching, meaning that Scripture should be what we teach. It's how we teach others of God, Christ, the gospel, and how to live obediently to God. Scripture is also profitable for reproof. It's another word for rebuking. This ultimately means that we are disapproving of something that is contrary to God's Word and what Scripture teaches. Scripture helps us to refute error. God's Word is also profitable for correction. And all this means is that when someone needs correction, we use Scripture to correct them. And lastly, Scripture is for training in righteousness. Godliness, holiness, righteousness. Scripture helps one to become more godly, more like Christ, more holy in how they live their lives. And as a church, we want to let Scripture be what we equip people with. We will be a church that is helping every single individual in our church become more mature in the faith. And as verse 17 says here, it says that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good word. The word complete here is actually translated a few different ways. It is translated as adequate. It's translated as capable. It's translated as thorough. So that the man of God may be adequate, the man of God may be complete, or excuse me, capable, the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. So what Paul is saying here is that Scripture is what helps Christians to become adequate, capable, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Which is why as a church, we're going to be a church that equips those in our church with God's Word so that they can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And this means that as we equip people with the gospel, with God's word, it will help the people in our church live more obedient lives. It will help them to parent better. It will help them to grandparent better. It will help them to be a better friend to their friends. It will help them to battle sin better. It will help them in their anxiety. It will help them in their fear. It will help them in their depression. It will help them in any situation in their life because they are equipped with the right tools to do what they need to do for God's glory. Scripture, God's Word, is profitable. Another passage to reference here is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11-13. through 13. It says this, And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, 
for building up the body of Christ. Now, just make sure we're clear. We all know that saints means believers, correct? To equip the believers for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of God, excuse me, of the Son of God, to the knowledge of the gospel and what Jesus did here on this earth, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Church, we equip the saints, we equip the believers, we equip those in our church for the work of ministry. Each and every single believer here in this church has a ministry that God has given them. We are all going to be doing something for God. We all are to serve God in some way. And when we serve God in that way, we are using the ministry that God has given us. We have a ministry. Doesn't mean we're all teachers. Doesn't mean we're all preachers. Doesn't mean we're all worship leaders. Doesn't mean that we're all deacons or whatever else. It just means that we have a ministry. And it is our job. It is our goal to find out what that ministry is in your life. And as a church, we want to equip you to best accomplish that ministry that God has given you. So we can build up the body of Christ. So that we can all attain to the unity of the faith. So that we can all attain to more knowledge of the Son of God. So that we can grow in maturity. So that we can become more Christ-like. To take us back to our mission statement, when we equip people with the gospel, we're helping people to live in worship of God. We're helping people to live in one another fellowship. We're helping people to live on mission by making disciples. How does one know how to live in worship of God? By being equipped with God's Word. How does one know how to live in one another fellowship? By being equipped with God's Word. How does one know how to live on mission? By making disciples. By being equipped with God's Word. I want us to be a church that glorifies God by equipping people with the gospel and God's word. So in our sermon today, we've seen two groups of people we equip with the gospel. We equip those that are outside the church, unbelievers, with the gospel, so that they can believe in Jesus Christ and have salvation. We equip those inside our church, believers, with the gospel, so that they can grow in faith and grow in spiritual maturity. And church, this is exactly what Jesus did in His time here on earth, right? If you look at the life of Jesus and what He did, He came preaching repentance to all. His whole goal was to share Himself with everybody, to preach repentance so that they can believe. He had so many conversations with people that were not believers, and His goal was to equip them with the gospel and what they needed to have salvation. He wanted to equip people with what they needed to have faith in Him. And along the way, He called, himself, called to Himself 12 disciples. We could call these 12 disciples Jesus' insiders. And He taught them. He trained them. He equipped them with what they needed to live a godly life with what they needed to live in worship of God and one another fellowship amongst themselves and on mission by making disciples. 
When Jesus gave the disciples the great commission in Matthew chapter 28, right before ascending to heaven, He didn't give that to them thinking they weren't prepared. He gave it to them knowing that they were prepared. Because He had taught them, He had trained them, and He equipped them to do the work of the ministry that He had set in front of them. And that was to teach, excuse me, that was to go therefore and make disciples, baptizing, teaching, helping people observe the commandments because He had equipped them. Jesus equipped. So should we. So how do we live this out? What are some practical ways for us to live this out? And there are several, several ways for us to ultimately live this out, right? But the first way that we can live this out is by proclaiming Christ. Proclaiming Christ. The first way we can live this out is by proclaiming Christ. Now when I say proclaiming Christ, I don't mean that you're going on a street corner and you're just standing there and you're just preaching, you know, we're not just doing that, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just relationally having conversations with people proclaiming Christ. I simply mean is that as you live your life, as you go to the grocery store, as you hang out with your friends, as you talk with your family and spend time with your family, as you talk with your neighbors, as you give an order of food to the waiter or waitress at the restaurant, you speak of Christ. You just proclaim Christ. Hey, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you today? And then they tell you your prayer requests. And then you just simply respond just by saying something along the lines of, yeah, I know that's a hard time, but you can have hope and joy through Christ. Let me tell you about Him. Let me tell you about the good news. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27-28 through 28 says this, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him, Christ, Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. We equip people with the gospel by simply speaking the gospel to people who we are around. Building a relationship with someone in order to proclaim the gospel to them. Warning them of the result of their sin. Warning them that their sin is leading them to death. Spiritual death and hell. How their sin prevents them from having a relationship with God. And then we teach them. We teach them how God sent His Son to sacrificially die on the cross for their sins. So that they could have a salvation and have a relationship with God. That's what we do. We proclaim Christ. The second way we can live this out is by discipling someone. Um, you have in your bulletin, I think it says, um, teaching. See, what did I have here? <clears throat> teaching others and being willing to be taught. Teaching others and being willing to be taught. And essentially, all this means is discipleship. It means to be discipled or to disciple someone. And discipleship matters. It's a very crucial element to the life of the church. Now, before going any farther, I just want to take a moment and just briefly explain what I mean when I say discipleship. And essentially, what I'm saying is that we are helping each other, all of us together, are helping each other become more Christ-like. Does that make sense? That's what discipleship is. Helping each other become more Christ-like, to grow more spiritually mature, to grow in our faith. Helping each other. 
We are helping and teaching each other to grow in their faith, become more mature as believers. And as I stated, we are to teach people the gospel, right? We are to teach people the gospel. But Paul takes it a step farther. And he says, We teach with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Discipleship is literally just teaching someone the things of God, teaching someone His Word, teaching someone how to live obediently, teaching someone how to become more Christ-like. Now there is so much more to understand about discipling and discipleship and discipling someone. But the main point is that we make disciples by teaching them God's Word and how to become more Christ-like. Church, there are two critical parts of a church, two critical things to the life of the church. And that's exactly what we have learned today. Evangelism and discipleship. We don't evangelize, then no one's hearing the gospel. No one's believing the gospel. No one's joining this church. If we don't and then return disciple them, then they're not staying here. Evangelism, discipleship, hand in hand, together. Critical parts of the church. We have to have those. Which is why we are going to be a church that equips people with the gospel. Let's be a church that equips. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you this morning and we just want to pray that you would just be, help us to be a church that equips people with the gospel, Lord. Help us to be a church that takes the gospel to those in our community, that takes the gospel to those outside of our church, Lord. Help us to be a church that even equips those inside our church with the gospel and your word, Lord. Helping us to be better at doing the ministry you've called us to be, Lord. Helping us to grow in spiritual maturity to become more Christ-like. Lord, we see that your word is profitable for teaching, for reproof, and for correction, and for training in righteousness, Lord. Help us to use your word for those things, Lord. God, you are so good, and we thank you so much for your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.